actually three things that I want to thank you for. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for the love you give me. But I thank you for loving my wife and not putting pastor expectations upon my wife Yay! who's just called to be a mama of the house. She's not called to be a pastor of the house. She's called to be a mama of the house. So Chelsea Larson, we thank you for operating in your gifting and not being something you're not called to be. We love you. Right. Some people are like, what is her position? Mama. What does she do at the church? She's a mama. And what does that mean? Come to the house and you'll find out. Second, I want to thank you for loving my kids. There's, a, there's, a, there's an understanding of what? PKs? Pastor's kids? What do we all know about pastor's kids? I married one. It's all true. Listen. Um, <laughs> she walked out. Um, I thank you for loving my kids. I, I, I don't believe God would give me the gift of being a pastor if it was always supposed to ruin every kid that was a pastor, a kid of a pastor. I don't think that's, that's not father. Every good gift comes from God. Why would he give a gift that would destroy my kids? So I thank you guys for carrying the weight just as much as we do. Because when we've got to do something, you're up here. When we've got to fix something, you're up here. When we need to do something, you're watching Houston. Y'all give my kids a hand clap this morning. And last but not least, Lane and Pamela, thank you for trusting a used-to-have-hair Alabama boy. It's not easy. Listen, it's not easy to hand over something you started in your living room, but you trusted me. And I thank you. I bet you were. But you know what I love about it is I've, I have too many people that I know that know of churches so the pastor just doesn't want to let go. Because it's, even though the season's passed. And Pastor Lane understood he knew it was bigger than him to hand it off to the next generation. But for us to walk together, which taught me one day, it's bigger than me. It's not going to be about Chris Larson. It's going to be handing the mantle to the next generation because it's not about how big we can make Lane's name or my name. It's about making Jesus' name famous in a day where it's almost a cuss word to say his name. Amen? So I honor you this morning, Pastor Lane and Pamela. We thank you for who y'all are. Y'all give them a hand clap. So I'm going to lay this down. I've got a clip for you this morning from one of my favorite series I've ever watched in my entire life. So I need someone to turn all the lights down in the back and tune your eyes to the screen.
Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done.
Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes, it explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, wait! You're water! You forgot your um. Foxy, you man! You told me everything I ever did! <laughs> oh, man. If you haven't seen it, it's called The Chosen. It's a free app you can download and watch every episode. Go ahead and Cut the lights up for me. If you've got your word, please get it out. If you've got your word, please get it out. If you have your word, please get it out. And if you don't, and if someone next to you doesn't mind holding it to the side, get your phone ready. You can go back and watch this. But I need you to go to John chapter 4. We're going to walk through this story together. Because I've got a question for you this morning. And the question is, are you thirsty? No, not the thirsty people talk about. You know what I'm saying. I'm talking about, are you thirsty? All the younger people know what I'm talking about. Older people are like, I get it. I'm thirsty. No, careful. 
Are you thirsty? John chapter 4. And we're going to start. I think we said verse 5. Yep. So let's read together. We're going to take our time this morning. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Verse 7. And a woman of Samaria came to drink, or to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10. Then Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. Stop. So we see a woman... You've already seen her story, but I wanted you to see her story first. Some of you have probably heard it a thousand times, but we're going to go a little bit of a different aspect. A lot of times when this is preached, it's preached in how you reach lost people. And it's a great story for that. It's a great story on how to minister. And and it's a great story on really how to reach people. Uh, You could go from the fact that Jesus was tired, yet He still went to go speak to the woman. So we need to minister not always based on how we feel, but the need for people to find a Savior. You could see that He went to the well, and He went to the well and where a place where He should not have been because they didn't get along. I can tell you that you don't need to just look to minister to people that look like you, sound like you, walk like you, talk like you. You need to go minister to people that the Holy Spirit has led you to speak to. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. Jesus comes to her and says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would would be asking me for water. Now here's where I want you to grab. Verse 11. And the woman said, Sir... You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. She's thinking physical, he's thinking spiritual. The first level when it comes to are you thirsty is we always go practical. I need to work on my marriage. Well, maybe we should go to marriage counseling. Yes, but there's a deeper issue. Oh, hey, I've got a drinking issue. Okay, maybe I need to change the road I drive to so I don't drive by the liquor store. Good idea, but there's a deeper issue. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are thirsty and you, you, you've been thirsty for things and thirsty for things, thirsty for things, the first place we always run to is practical wisdom. And practical wisdom does not lead to salvation. Practical wisdom is a good thing. But practical wisdom falls miles short from biblical theology of Jesus Christ being the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Some people here go, you know, Pastor Chris, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. I'm the woman at the well. And I said, you know, how am I supposed to dig deep? I I can't even go there. And I'm here to tell you, you might have been trying everything wrong and nothing is going to fill you the way that Jesus fills you. Period. And the first thing she went to is practical wisdom. And the worst part about practical wisdom is you can get it practically anywhere. 
Some of you get practical wisdom from people that have wrecked marriage and asking for their permission to, 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 to teach you on how to be a husband. Don't go to a broke husband and ask him how to be a good husband. Don't go to a guy that has liquor on his breath and ask how to get off of liquor. Don't go to somebody that has bound in chains and ask him for wisdom, but we do it. Do you know the worst person I need to go to to talk about my wife and, and is a single man? Is a bachelor? That, man, I don't have to deal with that. I get to wake up. My underwear is still in the corner. Man, this is great. I don't need to go to somebody that doesn't understand the weight of marriage to deal with the weight of my marriage. I need to go to someone that understands what it is to walk out this. And we've got to be careful with the practical wisdom we receive because a lot of people are practically failing in everything, but we go to them because they're smooth talkers and really good at posting on Facebook and Twitter. You know what I always love? Anytime someone posts anything on Facebook, I go five posts before and see if they're talking the same message. I'm an independent woman. I don't need nobody. Five posts before. Oh my gosh, he hurt me so bad. Two posts before. Going to the club, going to see who I meet. You ain't going to find a gym there, you know. Careful. I don't get it. I go to the same club, I find the same guys, I get hurt the same way. I wonder why. Another sermon. But verse 12 is funny, because look what it says. Are you greater than the father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as the sons and his livestock? The second way the world thinks of getting out of issues of dealing with inward thirst is we begin to judge, who are you to tell me? Who are you telling me I need to fix? I got You got your own problems. I've seen you. I know your past. And we do that so bad. We critique where the wisdom will come from, the correction will come from, and we critique it because we really ain't that thirsty. You are at such a level to where you don't know if you really want God, but you want freedom, and someone comes up that has the answer, and you go, oh, well, hold on, who are you? I, uh, I can't, oh, have you heard this one? I can't go to church. Church is full of fake people. Gyms are full of unhealthy people. Doesn't mean you don't need to go. What if we did that with everything? I can't go to the bank to get money. There's a bunch of people in there that don't know how to handle it. I'm not going to the hospital. All of them are sick. Obviously not. But we do this. We critique what's going on. I can't go to that church. That pastor's too young. He won't know what to deal with me. I can't go to that church. They play the wrong music. I can't go there. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm telling you this. If you are critical and have a critical spirit, you will never be satisfied. You will overlook a Savior waiting at the well with the very answer because we critically want to critically criticize everything that comes because we are so happy with being thirsty and being filled with salt water that never fills us. Anybody ever drink salt water? Anybody ever take a big old drink of salt water? How's that work for you? If you're floating in the middle of the ocean, you're surrounded by what? But what are you probably going to die of? Dehydration. Surrounded by hydration, you're going to die of dehydration because it's the wrong water. 
Some of you are surrounded by what it seems like every solution. And I'm telling you that you're dying of dehydration because you've been drinking of the wrong water. You're thinking success is going to fill it and it won't. And I'm telling you, you could become owner of the company and you'll just be just as unhappy as before you started it. Some of you are waiting to drink that beer on the way home because it gives you a little bit of peace. But you're just as empty as when you left the house or left the job. We are so guilty of drinking salt water and salt water and dying of dehydration and going, God, where were you? You ever been so sick, sick to your stomach, throwing it up and you're just like, oh gosh, a little hair of the dog that bit you. You never drank, you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you've drank before, the last thing you want when you are hung over is more alcohol. But that's what we think when it comes to sin. Oh man, you know what? That relationship really jacked you up and made you feel like you weren't good and made you feel like you couldn't do it and used you up. What's the next thing you need? Let's get another jacked up relationship. Maybe this one will be better. And that's what we do. We drink from this well, drink from this well, drink from this well. And God's saying there is a better stream flowing that doesn't make you sick to your stomach because that salt water of the flesh constantly makes you more thirsty. Imagine dying of thirst and you drink a big old drink of whatever it is and you feel good for five seconds and then you're twice as thirsty as before. Some of you feel this way this morning. You say, I remember what it was, but man, I've just been drinking out of the wrong well. And, and, and I just feel like I just can't feel enough. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough alcohol. There's not enough success. There's not enough porn. There's not enough, eh, eh, there, there, there's, there's not enough uh, bad friendships. There's not enough uh, unforgiveness. There's not enough judgment. And I keep drinking it and I'm not filled. And I'm telling you, you were never created to be filled with the flesh of the spirit of all the things that used to dwell inside me. And it will always make you sick to your stomach because it was never meant to fill you. That's why some people are judging. Who does he think he is? Believe me, I knew this was coming. Because that's who she said. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Get, get famous. You'll get thirsty again. Some people in here, they just if they could just get the perfect body, they go to the gym every day, they invest and they invest. And let me tell you, that body's going to break one day. And you could get successful. And you could get that body. Some of you are just wanting to have that perfect family. And perfect family. Oh, if I could just have the perfect family. You know what? I've seen families that look so perfect on Instagram, but hate each other when the camera's not taking pictures. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty because we've been drinking of the wrong things, knowing it makes you sick, like a dog returning back to its vomit, and God says, I'm telling you, I've got something better for you. Drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will come in him a fountain of water springing up in everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to drink. Stop. She wanted the water without the cost of the water. Pastor Chris, I want a marriage like yours. It came at a cost. 
Because I had to go to the cross and be sacrificed of everything I thought a man was, everything I thought a father was, everything I thought a husband was, everything I thought, and I had to let the Holy Spirit rebuild me into the man that I needed to be. I'm here to tell you, there comes a cost with drinking the new water that's called to flow out of you. There comes a cost. And if anybody tells you a gospel that doesn't come with a cost, they're not telling you the true gospel because it's easy for me to preach about the cross that you didn't have to carry. It's hard to preach about when Jesus says, now pick up that very cross and carry it and be a new creation in Christ. Some of you are thirsty. You're thirsty. And you're tired. And you're wore out. And you're hurting. And you want to give up. Some people in here are thinking about suicide. Some people in here are thinking of divorce. Some people are thinking about their next promotion. Some people are th just thinking of these things. And what happens is, is we want the benefit of Jesus but not the cost of the cross. I spoke it in Bible study. We turn Jesus like a prostitute. We go to the corner of righteousness and say, how much do I got to pay for you to make me feel better for a weekend so I can go live how I want? Instead of going to the altar, what are the vows? Sickness and health. Till death do us part. What, what were your vows to Jesus? Was it a red light district quote or was it a marriage covenant quote? Till death to us part or was it till your cost runs out? Some of us are wondering why we're not having new life in Christ. It's because we never married Jesus. We just married the idea of Jesus and wanted the benefits without the cost of covenant. I can't have the benefits of cost of covenant unless I'm willing to pay the cost of covenant. This is not popular. We probably have some people cutting off stream right now, and that's okay. But the gospel is real. The gospel is real. I, I, there's people that are writing marriage books, and don't get me wrong, there's a bunch of good marriage books, but the best thing we could ever do is have fathers fall in love with Jesus, husbands fall in love with Jesus, mothers fall in love with Jesus. The only reason my marriage is where it's at is because I fell in love with Jesus, and 13 years later, I'm married to my best friend so I can show my children how Christ loved the church. But it takes commitment it takes commitment. Do you know what that means, Terrence? That means sometimes, be real for a second, when I'm in the store, and you know, outfits that would have been in the Sears catalog 20 years ago were just being worn out in public. Do you know what that means, Pastor Pamela? Sometimes at H-E-B, I got to walk like this. Because my Bible says, I will walk into my house with a blameless heart and set my eyes before no vile thing. My eyes are only for my wife. You know what that means? That sometimes I'm going to have to maybe turn the movie. Sometimes I'm going to have to leave a friendship. Sometimes that means I'm going to have to put away the bottle. Sometimes I'm going to have to go to put those things away. Because I'm not just married to Jesus to how he makes me feel on a Sunday morning. I'm married to him on Tuesday morning. I'm married to him on Thursday night. I am married to him at every moment. And if I say anything less than that, I don't understand what the cross represented. My life has got to look different. My life has got to be different. Jesus cannot fit in your old lifestyle. He came to wreck it. He came to destroy it. He says, you are, behold, all things have become new. 
That means I've got to look at old cisterns that I used to drink from and not play with them anymore. That means maybe I need to put away some of those old cisterns and old mindsets and old friends and old places because they made me sick. But you know the worst part about those cisterns? It'll make us sicker than a dog, but stay a week away from it. And all of a sudden you start dreaming again of how good you felt. Anybody ever fall in sin and go, man, if I could just remember this moment, I'd never go back. I'd never go back. Father, just let me remember this feeling right now. I'll never go back. Two weeks later, Father, if I just remember this one again. If you think the way from staying away from sin is running from sin, that's not the answer. The answer is falling in love with a man named Jesus because I cannot hate my sin if I don't have my love to pour somewhere. I can't hate my flesh if I don't have love to pour somewhere. My job is not not tell you everything that's a sin. My job is to introduce you to a Jesus and a Holy Spirit that'll start showing you, hey, push that away. You don't need that anymore. Push that away. That's not you anymore. Because when you fall in love with a man named Jesus, not just the benefits of prosperity preaching, you start realizing things look a little bit different. Can we keep reading the word? The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I might not thirst nor come here to draw. And then Jesus just had a mock, like, you know that, that meme to everybody's like, oh, this, this is this moment right here. And he says, hey, go call your husband, your husband to come here. Like, oh. Disciples, they'd be sipping tea. They'd be like, mm, he went there. Dick Kermit would be sitting there right next to him. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. Is that you spoke truly? She was thirsty. She was thirsty for companionship. She was thirsty for fulfillment. And she didn't find it in the first man, so she kept seeking and seeking and seeking feel like we'll find that fulfillment in the first bottle and it won't happen and we say I'll never but we'll go to the next one again and the next one again and the next one again the next relationship the next job the next success the next fame the next workout the next everything if it's not Jesus it will leave you empty and dry and it will ruin everything around you I want you to ask yourself who are my past five husbands? What do you mean, Pastor Chris? Who are the last five things that you've sold your life to that left you high and dry? What was the job? What was the success? What was the pleasure? What was the visual? What was the drink? What was the smoke? What was this? What, was, what were the five past husbands you're sitting at the well saying, it left me dry, but now I'm living with one that I'm not even going to commit to? What are the last five husbands? What are the last five things that you sold yourself to for momentary pleasure, for getting eternal gain? Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You think? Ding, ding, ding. Verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Do you see how she's already posturing up for the religion that she knows? That'll happen. 
when you begin to realize there's a thirst and you've been seeking everything and God pinpoints you, you start to fish back and start to say, but God, I went to church. But God, my dad was a deacon. But God, I, I, I was born under a pew. Hey, I went to church two years ago on Easter. What you talking about? Jesus remembers. Hey, I went to church. Hey, and we start posturing with the religion that we think we know. How foolish do we sound talking to the God of the universe of the religion that we think we know? Hey, God of the universe that breathed everything into existence, sent your son to die on the cross, raised three days and give me the Holy Spirit. Hey, I went to church two years ago. You should be happy. But I'm an usher. Oh, but I'm a youth pastor. Oh, but I'm a minister. I don't care if we posture up to anything other than pure sacrifice to the Savior of the world. We're missing it.